Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Glad to have you with me. We got, well, I want to begin and listen. I, I listen, Charlie, listen to me here. I, I want to take your phone calls on this because this may be the most controversial thing that happened in this country in a long time, despite unanimity in the United States Senate. Now, what am I talking about here? If you haven't heard, uh, the United States Senate, the House of Representatives has not voted yet, but the United States Senate has passed unanimously Marco Rubio's law to make daylight saving time permanent. This would mean we would fall back uh, under the legislation. We would fall back one more time in this fall. And then next March, we would spring forward and never change time again. Now, the reason we would fall back one more time is because airlines, telecom companies, and computers need time to do updates because so many systems in this country automatically do it, automatically are set to spring forward, fall back. Uh, All the systems need time to put in the programming to make sure and to test it uh, that we're not gonna have any screw ups. Uh, The airline industry in particular asks for more time apparently. So we would fall back one more time this fall, spring forward in March and then never do it again. The tourism industry in the country wants this desperately. Tourism industry, particularly in uh, Florida and California, has been begging for permanent daylight saving time. Interestingly enough, if we stay on daylight saving time, uh, where we are now, when you spring forward, that's daylight saving time. When you fall back, that's standard time. Standard time is natural time. Standard time is as the world naturally occurs. Daylight saving time is the artificial uh, bit of time. Daylight saving time puts you an hour ahead. But by doing so, the eastern time zone in the United States under daylight saving time is exactly 12 hours from China. So if it is 1 p.m. on the East Coast during the spring and summer, it is 1 a.m. in Beijing. It's very easy uh, to remember that one. But there are some problems, and you should know we did this before in the 1970s, and it wound up being deeply unpopular. This is from the Washington Post, December or January 8th, 1974. The sun rose at 8.27 a.m. Children in the Washington area had left for school in the dark thanks to a new national experiment during the energy crisis. Uh, daylight time is like darkness time, said the people. Now, let me read you this from the Washingtonian. It was published yesterday. Uh, it was jet black outside, uh, when parents took their children to school, Francis Bauer of Springfield told the Washington Post, some of the children took flashlights with them. The change would benefit Americans in the long run, predicted Steve Grossman of the Department of Transportation. Accidents in morning darkness may become more common, he said, but longer daylight hours could mean eliminating the hazards of evening commutes, stress, anxiety, many drivers, have had a couple of drinks, he told the Post. Outside the Capitol, others vowed defiance. Robert Yost, the mayor of St. Francis, Kansas, said his town's council 
felt it was time to put our foot down and stop this monkey business. The idea of permanent daylight saving time has gained political momentum. It should be worth looking back. Congress voted on December 14, 1973 to put the United States on daylight saving time for two years. President Nixon signed the bill the next day. The U.S. went to permanent daylight saving time during World War II as well. Then the measure was enacted to save fuel. Permanent daylight saving time wasn't close to the wackiest idea about time floated around. Paul Molyneux, a geographer who worked for the Pentagon, came up with the idea of putting the entire continental United States on a single time zone, USA time. It would apply from Bangor, Maine to Barstow, eliminate jet lag and standardize TV schedules. His idea even got traction in Congress. Patty Minsk of Hawaii supported it. The human being is very adaptable. There's no reason we have to be a slave to the sun. And yet the early morning darkness proved dangerous for children. A six-year-old Alexandria, Virginia girl was struck by a car on her way to Polk Elementary School on January 7th, breaking her leg. Two Prince George County students were hurt in February. In the weeks after the change, eight Florida kids were killed in traffic accidents. Florida's governor, Ruben Askew, asked for Congress to repeal the measure. It's time to recognize we may well have made a mistake, U.S. Senator Dick Clark of Iowa said during a speech in Congress on January 28, 1974. In the Washington area, some schools delayed their start times until the sun caught up with the clock. The National Safety Council reported in February that pre-sunrise fatalities had risen from to 20 from 18 the year before. In July, Robert Sant, then an assistant administrator designate for the Federal Energy Agency, wrote a letter to the Washington Post that noted a 1% energy savings achieved by going to daylight standard time equated to 20,000 to 30,000 tons of coal not being burned each day, and accidents fell in the afternoon even as they went up slightly in the morning. Okay, here's the problem. Uh, let, let's go with the pros and the cons of daylight saving time. Uh, the biggest pro is that it is lighter in the afternoon, more time to play golf for me in the afternoon. It, if, if we do this, let me just explain the, the standard time first. So in standard time, your mornings tend to get lighter earlier and the evenings get darker earlier. As the time goes on, let's get even into the summer. If you stay on, on standard time in the summer, you have very long days, the sun comes up early, and it still stays up until 8, 9 o'clock at night. With standard time, your sun goes down. Those of us in the south know when we're trying to shoot fireworks on the 4th of July, the sun, it really doesn't get dark until 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. Now, up north, you should know, northern states have bigger problems. Those of you up on WMAY in, in Springfield, Illinois listening, uh, your your nights are longer in the winter and your days are really long. I went up to Michigan for my brother-in-law's wedding years ago, and I mean, it. the sun was up late. Where It's 10 o'clock at night, and you can still see daylight. I was stunned. Never experienced that before, except in Sweden. And a lot of people, they really do like it. But morning people, they want to be up with the sun. Now, the other issue here is one that doesn't get a lot of consideration. Religious Jews and Muslims set a lot of prayer times based on the sun. Your morning prayers are at sunrise. If you're a religious person and you're a Jew or a Muslim and your prayers are at sunrise, you're putting your prayers off until 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning in some cases. Because this is something, if you live in northern states, if you stay on daylight saving time, 
your sunrise is after 8.30 in the morning in the wintertime. After 9 o'clock in the dead of winter in, in December, the sun's not rising until like 9 o'clock in the morning. So if you base your day based on your prayer life, as a lot of Orthodox Jews and Muslims do, you're not even headed to work until after 9 o'clock. You can't because you got to pray to start your day. That's one downside of daylight saving time through the winter time. We like the, the reason we set daylight saving time now in March is because we're headed towards the vernal equinox. The vernal equinox is when the earth tilt is vertical. We're no longer leaning uh, the northern hemisphere towards the sun. Uh, the northern and southern hemisphere are equidistant now. Uh, and then as we drift the and the wobble the other side, then the, the southern hemisphere will start to have winter time in the northern hemisphere. We will lean towards the sun. Actually, winter, the northern hemisphere is leaned away from the sun for us, and it's uh, summer in Australia. The vernal equinox, we're all equidistant. That's spring for us, fall for them. And then we start to lean in the summer solstice all the way towards the sun. And I shouldn't say all the way, but a good distance towards the sun, about 26 degrees. And the southern hemisphere leans away, and that's why they get a warmer winter. The other interesting thing is the reason we have a milder winter in, in the northern hemisphere than the southern hemisphere is because our we, we see on maps and stuff, and we kind of, I think, in, intuitively know this, our orbit around the sun is not a perfect circle. We're actually at the summer solstice further away from the sun, and it's our furthest point away from the sun, even as we lean uh, towards the sun. And the summer, uh, the, the winter solstice, we're closer to the sun, even as the northern hemisphere leans away. So you have more uh, weather extremes in the southern hemisphere, typically. All that being said, I think it's a good idea. I honestly, if I had to call it, I would prefer standard time. And the reason I would prefer standard time is because that actually is natural time. Standard time is based on natural time. Your noon is based on where the sundial would read it. Your noon is your noon. And in daylight saving time, your noon is actually advanced uh, an hour. So 11 a.m. is actually noon, even though your noon is not in any event. Uh, the problem I also have is I, I love lighter evenings. It kills me when we fall back and I get off. I was doing a radio 4 to 6 p.m. and it'd be dark by the time I couldn't do anything. And now I, I'll have light. The problem, though, is that it's not natural, and it will mess up the prayer life of, of devout Jews and Muslims, and kids really will be going to school in the dark, and their first hour of school, even in the South, during the winter will be completely dark. At the same time, I'm just tired of flipping. There's no reason in the 21st century that we need to flip time every six months. There's no reason for it. We don't even really do it every six months. We flip in November, December, January, February. It's like four and a half, five months where we're in standard time. The bulk of our time in this country is spent in daylight saving time. March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. Um, we're, we're The bulk of our time is spent in daylight saving time. So you might as well extend it. I got a lot of friends of mine. Denise is probably listening. She is very upset about this. She's a listener in Atlanta. Uh, a lot of my friends are morning people, and they're very upset about it. My, I, I am just, my position, frankly, is I don't care. I'm just tired. Pick one and stay with it. The Senate has voted unanimously to stay with daylight saving time. 
I am totally fine with that. The House looks like they'll pass it. The president looks like he'll sign it into law. Interestingly enough, it actually will save some energy because people will be coming home from work in the evenings and it'll still be light out. It'll still be slightly warmer with the sun up. So they won't turn on their heating and air as much. Uh, they won't turn on their lights as quickly. So it actually will be more power friendly to be daylight uh, saving time for everyone. But at the same time, I just don't care. Please just stop the fall back in the spring forward. I don't care which one you pick. You've picked daylight saving time. Now, please, for the love of God, will the House of Representatives pass that? Go to the president. Let's just have one more fallback and spring forward. My guess, however, is within a couple of years, we will be revisiting the issue and maybe overcorrecting and going back to, to standard time, which I'm okay with as well. Let's just pick one, though, and keep it. I'm happy to take your opinions on this. 877-973-7425. I sleep well at night under bowl and branch sheets. And I need to tell you, my family, we were customers before I started endorsing them. It's what I like to do. I like to be familiar with the product and like it. And I love the bowl and branch sheets. One of the reasons I love them is because they are super soft sheets. <laughs> Gotta say that word right. But... They've got a little weight to them, so so you feel somewhat more snuggled. Like I've got some uh, sheets I, that came with the new mattress, and they're so light, it's like there's nothing on top of you, and I can't sleep well with them because they're. I mean, it's just. And then they bunch up the the man the satiny soft feel of the Bull and Branch sheets. It makes a real big difference. Listen. You've got so many options out there right now. You can go to a department store. You have so many options, but there's no reason to because with Bowl and Branch, you get high-quality sheets. They've got a great thread count. They're perfect. They've got plenty of color options. You sleep well under them because they're soft and they're durable, and they've got a little bit of weight, the perfect amount of weight for a sheet. Now, I want you to go out there and order Bolin Branch sheets because they are comfortable. You got, I mean, they're environmentally friendly. They're built around sustainability, and you got quality that lasts. You know, a lot of the companies that advertise all the environmentally friendly stuff, their sheets don't last. I can tell you, my bowl and branch sheets have lasted a long time, and they get softer over time. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. <laughs> Buddy of mine texted me, I can't be the only one cringing about you saying the earth wobbles back and forth on its axis from summer to winter. Oh, come on. You know what I mean? The tilting, whatever word you want. Um, I'm getting text messages from friends who are um, all about the move it back. All of my morning. Y'all, okay. First of all, I need you to understand something. I'll take your phone calls. 877-973-7425. I am not a morning person. And everyone told me, I shouldn't say everyone, a lot of people told me, oh, when you have kids, you'll become a morning person. I did for a year and then some year and change a radio program, nine to noon. I'm not a morning person. I do not like to get up in the morning. I do not like it, Sam. I am. I do not like it. Uh, I, I hate to get up in the morning. I am a night owl. I could st I would rather stay up all night long and work through the next day and then go to sleep that night 
than to have to get up early in the morning. And I'll do it. If I got to do it, I'll do it. And all these people, and let's, let's go have coffee in the morning. Oh my gosh. The people who want to have coffee in the morning, they're the worst because they're chipper. And oh, I've been up since 4 a.m. on my Peloton. I don't care. I was asleep like normal sane people. Oh my gosh. I, I do not. You morning people are the worst. You have to have your quiet time and get up and read the Bible. No, do that before you go to bed and say your prayers and go to bed. You don't have to get up in the morning and get on your Peloton and then read scripture and be holier than thou. I was up all morning and I'm fueled by like jasmine and chamomile tea instead of coffee. No, you sleep until 10 or 11 in the morning. You get up, you have five cups of coffee and you go till 3 a.m. That's what normal people do. Now, I'll go to the phones. Tom, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Thank you very much. I appreciate Charlie taking the call. I'll just make a quick comment. Other than your show is great. Rush should be very, very proud of you, especially your thank sense you. of humor. Appreciate Why it. don't we just split, just do one half hour split? Instead of changing it an hour back and an hour forward, just one time, make it a half hour, and we'll call it a day. But I love your show, you and know, I'll listen. Look, thank okay, you. Tom. Uh, yes. no, you can't uh, you can't leave it there with that because that actually okay. makes some sense and is a perfect compromise. And that's why it'll never happen, Tom, because you have common sense. Right. But <laughs> put just, it out there somewhere, maybe. Okay. Yeah, maybe someday. I appreciate the phone call. It, it really, honest to goodness, this entire change, just so you all understand, this entire time change issue was because tourists in Florida. Marco Rubio has introduced this piece of legislation every year that he has been in the United States Senate. And Sheldon Whitehouse, the the nutter from Rhode Island who goes to all white country clubs, decided he would sign on and do some sort of bipartisan issue. Now, here's why this is doomed to fail, you should know. And I do think it's, it's doomed to fail. And the reason it's doomed to fail is because it was very bipartisan. And you know the Everett Dirksen definition of bipartisanship, that there are two parties in Washington, D.C., the stupid party and the evil party. And every once in a while, they get together and they do something that is both stupid and evil. And that's called bipartisanship. This is like a unanimous passage in the Senate, and it's going to overwhelmingly sail through the House of Representatives, and Joe Biden's going to sign it, which means it's got to be stupid and evil in some way. And I don't know the way other than the fact that uh, Jews and Muslims are already starting to say this is going to mess up morning prayer time. Better to keep it standard. But the tourists, Disney, my gosh, the rat wants this so bad. You got, you're going to have Mickey Mouse roaming the halls of Congress. <laughs> pass it. Pass it. <laughs> I wonder if he'll come with his rainbow flag. Um, it, it, get everybody on board. The, the rat wants it. What the rat wants, the rat. I mean, they've been keeping Disney's, uh, what, trademarks and copyrights forever. They only just gave up Winnie the Pooh. Uh, the Winnie the Pooh uh, trademark or, or copyright on the book, I think, finally has lapsed. Congress didn't renew it. But most of Disney stuff, they just keep getting Congress to extend it and to extend it and extend it because really they don't want like um, Mickey Mouse stickers. But you know, like Calvin and Hobbes, and you see Calvin peeing everywhere. Uh, Bill Watterson didn't authorize that, but people have been doing it. Disney does not want to see, I don't want to see the rat 
peeing on, on Goofy or something on the back of the truck. But nonetheless, what the rat wants, the rat gets. And the rat for years has wanted his magic kingdom to have daylight saving time permanent and all bow to Mickey Mouse. The rat gets what he wants. When we come back, I'll keep taking your phone calls, 877-973-7425. But also, the House of Representatives, progressives in the House, want Joe Biden to declare a climate emergency and stop any domestic oil drilling right now. I wish I were making that up. These people are insane. A buddy of mine uh, does remind me that China has one time zone for the entire nation, which I think is kind of nuts. Because uh, while it's uh, sun up in Beijing, out in the western provinces, it's still dark. Uh, and then another friend of mine, Fred, uh, tells me that it reminds me in, in when they did this experiment the last time in the 1970s, they did it in the middle of winter, which caused all sorts of problems for people. At least now we would have time to adjust to get back into it, uh, which would be fine. All right, the phone number, 877-973-7425. Bob, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hi, Bob. Yes, hi. What's going on? Is this Eric? It is Eric. Eric, I listen to your show every day. And that being said, I've got uh, a little story about my grandson, who I take to the bus stop every morning. And his bus uh, arrives about 6.30 in the morning. So, you know, that all winter, he's catching the bus in the dark. Mm-hmm. So uh, for the last month, it's been getting lighter and lighter every day. And he's noticed that. He's a pretty bright little kid. And I explained to him how the you know, earth goes around the sun and, uh, you know, is tilted on the axis and all that, which is hard for me to explain to a six-year-old. And uh, I hope that in science class, in school, as he gets older, they'll teach him about that. But uh, so since the time changed over the weekend, and uh, I've had to explain to him again why it's pitch black in the morning. Mm-hmm. So you can uh, understand his confusion. Oh, I bet. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those things where you finally realize the power of government, that the government itself uh, can uh, change time. The fact that Congress <laughs> thinks that it can play God in this stuff, it's a good lesson on, on the overpowerment of government. And you know, I mean, one of the issues here, Bob, is going to be, and, and thanks for the phone call, is is your your grandson is probably with, with moving to daylight saving time really isn't going to notice the sun coming up a great deal at 6.30 in the morning to the bus stop. Uh, and gosh, that's early. That is such an early time to have a kid out to go to school. Uh, Tom, you're going to be up next. Tom, welcome to the program. Greetings. Hi there. An alternate, an alternate suggestion. Originally, businesses decided when to open based on the region that they lived in. They liked mm-hmm. whatever concerned. Since then, we've tried to impose it on everybody. Why not let businesses that in their community area, they want to open earlier, open earlier. For example, schools, if in their region, they want to do it by daylight, they let the school start earlier. In fact, for parents, they get the kids off to school, and then they've got an hour before their business starts. 
each area lets the business start when it's convenient for their region and lets them close when it's appropriate. Instead of trying I, to say, everybody in the country has to do it. I think that's probably going to be what happens. In fact, a number of school districts are already saying uh, up north that if this happens, uh, for sure, if it passes, they will probably uh, move their start times in winter months to later and adjust. I we're, we're, Look, we're all going to have to get used to it. But I just, I'm in favor of not falling back or springing forward anymore. I think it makes sense for us to do it uh, and to keep it. And I understand the business and economic desires to go with, uh, with, with, with saving time, daylight saving time. So, yeah, that's, that's fine with me. All right. Uh, we'll move on because I got this story and this is a bizarre bit of news progressives in the House of Representatives want Joe Biden to declare a climate emergency. This comes from the Congressional Progressive Caucus. This is from Politico. House progressives are planning to call on Joe Biden this week to use his executive power to declare climate change a national emergency and to ban fossil fuel drilling on federal land. The request from the Congressional Progressive Caucus comes as many Democratic clean energy priorities have stalled in Congress. The push for the sweeping use of the executive power expected from the group of nearly 100 lawmakers on Thursday will also touch issues such as student loan debt, voting rights, and immigration. Jared Huffman of California, a caucus member, told Politico that calling on Biden to declare a climate emergency would be one of the centerpiece actions to headline their executive order deal. A draft of the climate portion of the plan shared by a House Democratic office included the request for the National Emergency Declaration, along with requests for Biden to declare a ban on oil and gas drilling on federal lands, end domestic and international fossil fuel subsidies, and issue executive orders related to environmental justice, clean air, and water. I'm really kind of at a loss here. I'm I all listen this. Oh my gosh. Um, have y'all seen gas prices? I filled up yesterday in the middle of Georgia and it was $5 a gallon. Now in fairness, I did put in the good stuff, but the regular unleaded was four fifty. Have you seen the price of diesel? The big trucks out there, the 18-wheelers, they're filling up with diesel. And it's $5 a gallon in Georgia, and we're fairly reasonable when it comes to diesel prices. Other parts of the country are even higher. That's going to cause your costs to go up. Now, imagine restricting this stuff. Imagine restricting drilling on federal land right now when gas prices are already high. You know what that would do? It would make them go higher. Who in the... who? Why do progressives do this stuff? Do you know what this reminds me of? Uh, I, 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 it might have been my father-in-law. Somebody I know was telling me a story about someone who was an alcoholic and had given up drinking and was at a meeting. And a, a young guy who was higher up in management than the older guy who had the drinking problem demanded the man drink with him. Demanded it. Insisted. 
made it very clear that this person's career was pretty much over in the company if they weren't going to have a drink. The guy wanted to be an, in 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 pig Latin ick day to the to the older man despite his problems. No one was going to intervene, and the the guy got sloppy drunk and fell off the wagon. And it was miserable for everybody. And the young guy was just very proud that he had made the guy do it. That he had thrown his weight around like that. I hope that person repented. The other person was able to get sober again. But, yeah, I mean, this is this is the progressives. We're in the middle of a crisis. And they're telling the recovering alcoholic, you need to drink. Except they're doing it the exact opposite. Uh, they're, they're, we're in the middle of an oil crisis. They're like, no more oil. They're in the middle of a crisis. This is why progressive policies are bad for America. This is why progressives are bad for people in general. And this is why, how can you be that out to lunch? The Congressional Progressive Caucus is in the biggest bubble, the tightest bubble, the, the most impenetrable bubble on planet Earth. If they think it's a good idea right now for Joe Biden to do this, Joe Biden, who is underwater in virtually every single bowl, I don't know that there is a poll out there that has Joe Biden in positive territory. And the solution from progressives is we need to declare a climate emergency and ban oil and gas. This is bizarre, and this is where they are, and this is why they're about to get thrown out of office. And, you know, here's the thing. This is what's going to happen. Charlie, flag this because I know I'm going to be right on this. We've started a file of see, I told you so moments. When the election comes in November and the great red wave crests across America, bringing Republicans back to power, you know and I know darn well no one in the media is going to say, well, it was the progressives overplayed their hand. No, it's going to be voter suppression. It's going to be Republican stolen. It's going to be Republican voter reform laws. It's going to be all that stuff. It's never going to be progressives were rejected because progressives always have the luxury in the media of never having their ideas rejected. Progressives are always told by the media they're on the side of purity and light. No one is going to call out from the left, from the media, congressional progressives, for being idiots, for daring to say we need to stop drilling oil now that oil and gas are as high as they are. What a bunch of absurd morons, and the media will give them a pass, and that actually works to a Republican advantage. When you're an idiot, when you are a blithering idiot, and none of your friends want to tell you you're a blithering idiot because your friends agree with you, well... The other people who are idiots are not as big an idiots. They tend to get ahead in life. So progressives, y'all just keep on keeping on. The rest of us will be fine with you and minority power. Now, let's go to the phones. Michael, you're going to be up next. Michael, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Hi, Eric. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, well, I was asking um, with everything pretty much the same in the world, why the price of oil has started to come down, and from what I understand, it's kind of projected to keep going down. Uh, what happened? What changed? <laughs> uh, a, a couple of things. Uh, number one, uh, the the Russian invasion of Ukraine was not as disruptive to uh, oil and gas supplies as people thought it was going to be. 
but more importantly, there's actually, I talked about this at the very end of the show yesterday, uh, the Federal Reserve is going to raise rates a quarter of a point. Uh, that has brought on the realization we're probably headed into a recession in this country, and that's going to slow down the economy within a year. And so the futures market is pricing in that we're heading to an economic slowdown. And when you head to an economic slowdown, typically people don't use as much gas. They're not driving as much. Uh, Layoffs are up. Unemployment goes up. uh, So there aren't people traveling as much. People are cutting back right now, expecting harder times to come. And the gas prices have gone up so much. People are cutting back. So all of this weighs on the market economically that uh, we're not going to have to worry about massive uh, tapping of federal oil reserves or um, massive deficits in the ability to produce oil since people are going to make cutbacks and we're headed into a recession. It's kind of sad to recognize that, but I think that they're probably right. I mean, typically when interest rates go up, you have uh, oil prices come down because you tend to have a recession within about a year. The crazy thing here is that the Biden administration doesn't seem to really have a clue and they don't seem to be on the same page. Here's Jen Psaki. You know, given that uh, that um, the price of gas has gone up by 75 cents, a dollar, uh, even more in some areas, uh, we're continuing to look at a range of options. And obviously, in, uh, ensuring that there is, or taking steps to ensure there's more supply in the market, because the oil market is a global market, uh, is a big priority and a focus for us. But we're looking at a range of domestic options, including all of the ones you mentioned. Just no decision has been made at this point in time. Looking at a range of options, they're actually looking potentially at more drilling in the United States. They're helping uh, drill more. But now listen to this. This is Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation. Well, it continues to be important to keep options open. As you know, the president's taken a lot of steps to bring relief and to help stabilize oil prices, including that big release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Of course, the long-term solution for this is energy independence and a shift to renewable energy uh, here in this country. Uh, But let's also remember that while oil prices and, and gas prices are famously something that is largely outside of the direct control of any political figure... So Jen Psaki says we're doing everything we possibly can. And Pete Buttigieg says, well, there's really nothing we can do. Nothing nothing at all that we can do. Well, all of this comes while we have this. 10% increase year over year for the producer price index. So we've got double-digit wholesale inflation. That is in line, but that is the highest ever recorded. These numbers only go back to about November of 2010, but we have double-digit 10% inflation on wholesale prices. Yeah, that's not good. And oil prices, yeah, they have come down. And all of this, essentially, the reason oil prices are coming down, two reasons. The Russian invasion has not has been as disruptive. And two, or to, to the global oil supply. And then two, uh, it looks like we're headed towards a recession. And that means that people aren't going to be spending as much or traveling as much, which means there will be plenty of gas to go around. Fortunately, yeah, the reason oil prices are starting to go down is that uh, it's a damning indictment on the state of our future economy. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Tim, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hey, Tim. Hey, how you doing, Eric? Great. How are you? Good to talk to you. 
You too. Doing great. Good to talk to you, sir. Listen every day. You made a comment just a few moments ago about the tractor trailers, uh, the big trucks, and the cost of fuel. What I wanted to emphasize to everybody is it's not just affecting these guys. I'm a small farmer in northeast Georgia. I have friends that farm in southeast Georgia. Um, the price of the off-road diesel fuel that we use on our tractors is pushing $5 a gallon. The fertilizer, just to fertilize our fields, is $984 a ton. Wow. Uh, take that into consideration. When you have a 40-acre farm, you're using four tons of fertilizer twice a year just to keep the grass going for your cattle. That's if they can get the urea uh, to, to make the fertilizer. I mean, we're in bad shape, bad shape as far as what we're trying to do to produce to feed families out there. Well, and, and you know, oh, who was I listening to the other day? Somebody was, was telling me that uh, the the prolonged outlook here in large part because of, I guess, planting times and what crops are planted, uh, that we may be off on that given the situation in Ukraine with wheat, that uh, a lot of American farmers who might have planted wheat are planting other stuff. I, I don't quite understand how all of that works, but it sounds like it, it's, one, far more complex than I realized, and two, uh, it may be that our federal government doesn't appreciate enough some of the, the costs and problems that you guys are dealing with. Now, now what do you primarily plant? Uh, I don't plant. I actually grow grass-fed Angus beef. Uh, oh. In oh, you're one of those farmers, the kind I like. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I uh, mean, not that I dislike farmers, but I mean, you grow cows and I like to eat them. Yes, sir. And they are, these are wonderful. <laughs> I, I bet so. Now let, let me let me just ask you this uh, further on this. So, uh, are 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 they grass fed or grain fed? They are grass fed, grass finished. They get each cow probably gets uh, a quart of grain a week, and we vetted this grain to make sure that it is has no animal remnants in it. It's totally totally plant based protein. Uh-huh. Um, we supplement them during the winter time with a 21% protein bucket that is that been vetted to where it's plant-based protein as well. So there's no animal remnants, no growth hormones, no antibiotics enter the scalp. Wow, that just sounds delicious. <laughs> it, it is very, it is very delicious. We have a very small market. It's a niche market, uh-huh. uh, which you know is in the Athens Gwinnett area. We don't sell yep. the stores; we sell to individuals. I'm not going to give you the name of my farm. Uh, because we are so small, I would do it off the air. But uh, yes, sir. Uh, well, that, look, you know, just we. Go ahead. We are suffering. I mean, it's everything. Uh, I did a small paddock uh, behind my barn that normally would have cost me about four or five hundred dollars to do two years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, it was twelve, fourteen hundred dollars to complete that paddock this year. I mean, wow. you know, it's just it's insurmountable what we're dealing with as far as trying to produce for people to eat good grief well look i appreciate you calling in i got about 30 seconds here tim i appreciate it and, and all the hard work that all the farmers out there do uh both those that grow uh, crops and and those that raise the tasty animals we eat uh, and understand just how much the costs are going up for so many people right now it really is just a tremendous amount of uh just pain out there for farmers in particular uh the wholesalers and stuff seem like they get better than farmers always get the raw deal and and we got to do something to help it's 2022 things are still crazy things haven't settled down and now you got the federal reserve and interest rates you got the economy you got inflation a lot of banks won't even return your phone call 
Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building, you want to build a building, reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.